0: Hello, and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 80. Um, this is a special episode because it ends in a zero. Uh, no, but this is just going to be a regular episode. I'm not doing anything special. But I do have Laura on the show, so that's special. Laura, how are you doing? I am here. Let's start over. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, so I have to give the backstory. Every time I start this podcast, I mess up the first time I start and we start over. I'm, I made it my goal this time to not start over. We're not starting over, no matter how bad this intro is. We're just going to power through it. And I'm oh.
1: here just to troll.
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's what you do. No, I'm joking. Um... Let me get the station news out of the way before we start. Obviously, this is the Hugenhoff podcast, and you can visit my website at hugenhoff.org. That's H U G I N H O F.org. And you can send me email there at uh, podcast at gmail.com. I've gotten a couple emails recently, and I want to thank those people for sending emails. And I always like getting emails. I think it's cool to get emails and have like an actual communication with the people who are listening uh it's always nice to know that people are out there actually listening to the show since we do it every month it's it's nice to know that it's reaching somebody so send in emails um i like getting those uh other than that lore wrote a book actually quite a few so why don't you tell people where you can find those what if i said no I
1: would just go on. (laughs) Oh, well, then I guess I better promote it because otherwise no one will know about it. So, yeah, I got a few books. Uh, I have a trilogy. I have a standalone poetry book and a standalone book uh, of science fiction nature-ish. And I was just thinking about it. Um, I wrote this book when I was reading a bunch of – shoot, what's his name? Who did Blade Runner? Uh, Philip K. Dick. Hmm. books. And now that I'm looking back at it again, I'm like, yeah, I can see how Philip K. Dick had some influence in there. If you know what I'm talking about, you know, just kind of a little bit surreal and you don't know what reality is. That's what my latest book was. Uh, it's called Walk On. It's time travel, interestingly enough. Uh, but what is reality? Kind of, sort of. So maybe you'll enjoy that. And all I got to do is go to Amazon.com, type in Walk On, Stephen Oaks, And you should find it. It's the one where there's a guy holding a gun alongside his head. So get that one. Thank you.
0: All right. Yes, definitely check that out. And his head is an egg. He's an egghead. Oh, wait. I'd probably stand out. (laughs) It would. Um, Yeah, I also wrote a book. It's called Lightbringer by Byron Rogers. And you can find that on Amazon as well. The links for both of those will be in the show notes. So... Just go there, click on the link, and you can find those if you are interested. If not, that's also fine. So we are going to start the no, show. No,
1: we oh. can't start. I, I have to say, hey, I don't get any emails because he doesn't tell me that there are any emails in there until I have to, you know, beg yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, so if I, you want to get I a of me, the, the best way, I guess, is Twitter. So I'm, I'm Stephen Oaks on Twitter. Find me. Thanks.
0: Oh, that's a good suggestion because I'm not on Twitter or Facebook or Google Plus because I'm terrible with social media. So that Google
1: Plus is gone. If you didn't know,
0: uh, not the business account. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did know that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's a good one. And I will try to remember to put that in the show notes. That's eh, no big deal. No, so one cares. you can tweet. <laughs> Do people still use Twitter. Uh, yeah, a bunch of people. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, do people still use Facebook? Uh, a bunch of people, but they shouldn't. Okay. Um, I'm so out of touch. <sighs> anyway, we are going to continue the beginning today. We took a couple weeks off. Um, months. Y- months, rather. We took a couple months off. Yule, I just wanted to have a more fun, casual chat about Yule, and then... I think I did one of the Inspired by the Rune series. So it's been a while since we've done the Guild Beginning. But it's good. And we're so pretty sure we know where we left off. <laughs> we think we know where we left off. It may we may repeat ourselves a little bit, but I don't think so. I think this is where we left off. I listened back to the old show and I know I know that we read the stanza right before this one, and I just figure that's close enough. Um, we might to uh, let everyone know we might get off topic again, but that's okay because when we're reading the guilt sort of, oh, what do you say? Um, one of the reasons I like reading this is because it can spark other conversations that I I think can be interesting. So well, I'm not, not going to st- try to keep us on topic just to keep us on topic.
1: Well, it's not a story so much anymore. It's it's kind of just a
0: list of things. Which you know, a lot of things have been. It is. This one's kind of interesting. Most of the stuff in the Poetic Eddas which um, we finished most of the lore part if you will of the poetic eddas we didn't jump into some of the sagas that are at the end we we may or may not do that later um but most of those stories would at least have a loose story and i guess this sort of has a loose story but it's sort of like a guy goes up to like see the gods i guess so there's really not much holding this together as far as the narrative goes, because that's not really the point of this. This is just a place to get a lot of different pieces of the lore. So that's kind of how we're taking it. Well,
1: if you remember how these originally were passed on, they were kind of poems slash maybe even songs. Mm -hmm. So it it makes sense to have that kind of loose story, because right now I'm thinking of uh, the song Johnny Jump Up for some reason. It's just a basic loose story about the... uh, uh, things of that the alcoholic apple juice is about. oh yeah yeah so i'm like oh okay i can see that so if it's just kind of like a song you just kind of think of that you got to put a bunch of different things in there mm-hmm. yeah. and now i'm thinking of the woman who swallowed a fly
0: <laughs> you just keep okay. adding on to yeah. it just keep adding on to it yeah um so like this one especially is not so much about the narrative as it is about the other things that are going on the other things that are being mentioned as a way to pass on the lore so that's what we're focusing on um so we're gonna start at stanza 15 hopefully we haven't read this one yet i don't think we have uh and i guess i'll go ahead and start so 15 says then said ganglary where is the chief abode or holy place of the gods? Har answered, "That is at the ash yggdrasil. There the gods must give judgment every day." Then Gangler asked, "What is to be said concerning that place?" Then said Jafnhar, "The ash is greatest of all trees and best. Its limbs spread out over all the world and stand above heaven. Three roots of the tree, three roots of the tree uphold it and stand exceeding." broad. One is among the Aesir, um, another among the Rhyme Giants, and that place where aforetime was the Yawning Void. The third stands over Niflheim, Niflheim and under that the root is Hevgelmar, and Nidhogg gnaws the root from below, but under that root, which turns towards the Rhyme Giants, is Memer well wherein wisdom and understanding are stored, and he is called Mamur who keeps the well. He is full of ancient lore, since he drinks of the well from the Galarhorn. Thither came Allfather, and craved one drink of the well, but he got it not until he had laid his eye in pledge. So says valsapa All know I Odin, where the eye thou hidest in the wide renowned well of mamur mamur drinks mead every morning from Valfather's wage wit ye what wit ye yet or what okay i'm gonna pause for just a moment i believe we talked about this story a little bit on the last podcast
1: yeah yeah, but also you gotta remember we've read the Volsa Batu, so it might echo in there,
0: and we talk about it a fair amount as well. So it's it's hard to place where we were. <sighs> That's true. So if we've read this or not, I'm sure we've mentioned the story, and everyone probably knows that Odin sacrificed his eye, right eye, I think, for um, knowledge. So he went up there and he said, I want to drink from the well of knowledge. And Mamur said, well, throw your eye in there. And he's like, okie dokie, and pulled it out and (laughs) threw it in there. Um, And when you really think about that, there's a couple interesting things, which I've probably said, but I want to repeat. One, it shows just how important knowledge is to Odin, that he's willing to make the sacrifice of something like his eye, which is really important. And it's also kind of interesting that you have the well of Mamur being like this magical well and this well of knowledge and wisdom, and Odin's eye is in that well. So he has one eye in the well, which is sort of symbolic of knowledge and wisdom and magic, and then one eye in the regular world, if you will. So you sort of get the idea of him being a magical god or magician type god because one of his eyes is in in the world of magic and one of his eyes is in the world that all of us see every day. So I think that's an interesting symbolism that's going on in that story as well. well.
1: Another thing that I think we may have mentioned before too is what if we think of the well as a library and if to sacrifice your eye means you just read so much that you can't see properly anymore, which happened to me.
0: (laughs) Uh, That is actually, uh, that's an interesting parallel as well. Um it also happened to Nietzsche. I just happened to take a class on Nietzsche, so I I knew this. His doctors his eyesight was going and his doctors told him to stop reading. And he didn't. He just kept reading and his eyesight kept getting worse. But it's really unfortunate that all of the cool things you not all. A lot of the cool things you can do with your vision ends up destroying your vision, and reading is one of those things. Reading is terrible for your eyes. And so is staring at the sun. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I would miss reading far more than staring at the sun, though. I used to do it all the time. It was great. One time, when I was six, my mom told me not to stare at the sun. Uh... Yeah, okay, but reading is something that's terrible for your eyes. That's just kind of sad. Uh, yeah, so so what this means exactly is kind of hard to say, but I like the symbolism of the world of magic and the world and the regular world and him having an eye in both. Uh, but at the very least, he made a major sacrifice for knowledge, which I think is important. I will continue. Oh, and this kind of, if anybody wants to do this... I <laughs> I don't know if there's value in it or not, but it's sort of, um, so Yggdrasil, the world tree, connects the nine worlds together. uh, And exactly where each world falls on the world tree, if you were really interested in mapping that out, this is one of those places where you could get some information of where on the tree the different worlds go. And you could cross-reference that to a bunch of different sources and... Try to find out where they contradict and not.
1: Or you could just Google it and find a picture like I did and uh,
0: write a book around it. You could, (laughs) but a lot of the pictures that you find on Google are not necessarily correct. I I double-checked. This one's great. I loved it. Okay. Well, I'm not saying it's not a good picture. It might be No, it's accurate. Yeah, well... I will show you the picture later. It's good. Okay. Okay. You can show me the picture later. But if you do try and map it out there ends up being some source i i don't know if you can really do it because i think there's some sources that seem to be saying that different worlds are in different places but if you really wanted to figure it out again i don't know if it's necessary but if you really wanted to figure it out this is one of your prime sources to figure that out in case somebody needs a hobby <laughs> we um, all need hobbies I mean, I think the idea that the world tree connects the nine worlds, showing that there is connection between this world and the afterlife and the world of the gods and the giants, all of that stuff, that's very important to wrap your head around and make sense of. What does that mean exactly? So the world tree itself is extremely important and understanding that the worlds are connected is extremely important. important and that's that's sort of captured in which i don't think we've got to it yet but that's sort of captured in the i was room which i haven't done my inspired by on the i was room but that's sort of getting at the connection between the nine worlds so that is important what i'm not sure is important is where they are actually located but maybe it is maybe there's some deeper meaning in understanding that so that's yeah i'm just mentioning it. just wanted to mention it um i will go on the third root of the ash stands in heaven and under that root is the well which is very holy that is called the well of erd there the gods hold their tribunal each day the azir ride thither up over Bifrost, which is also called the azir bridge these are the names of the azir steed schlepnir is best which is odin's which Odin has, he has eight feet. The second is Glotter, and the third, Giller, the fourth, Glenner, and the fifth, Skidbrimmer, the sixth, Slipstopper, the seventh, Sinner, the eighth, Gizl, the ninth, Valfrenner, the tenth, Galatrop, the eleventh, Leder, Baldur's horse was burnt with him, and Thor walks to the judgment and wades through rivers, which are called thus. And that's we just did saying we read this. Uh we might have, but the one right before it is very similar too, because I think it's also talking. Was it talking about the horses? Uh, I don't know if it was talking about the horses or not. I remember we talked about the horses. And we talked about Thor waiting. And we may have read this already, but Yay! Uh oh well. Um that route is oh. gold top. It, so that's just yeah that's just mentioning all the horses of the gods and of course baldur's was burnt with him and thor doesn't have a horse that particular part i know we talked about thor walking over the Bifrost bridge and the importance of that so i won't revisit it um and then it gives the names of the oh i do want to read this corp Corpt and ormt and the care logs twain them shall thor wade every day when he goes to doom at ash Yggdrasil for the azir bridge burns all with flame and the holy waters howl uh so there's an allusion to ragnarok when the bridge is burnt uh, that's why i wanted to rate that then said Gangler does fire burn over beefrost? har replied that which thou seest to be red in the bow Is burning fire. The hill giants might go up to heaven if passage on Beefrost were open to all those who would cross. There are many fair places in heaven, and over everything there a godlike watch is kept. A hall stands there, fair under the ash by the well. And out of that hall come three maidens who are called thus, Erdverdondians called. These maidens determine the period of men's lives. We call them Norns um i did read these but there are many norns those who come to each child that is born to appoint life there are three races of gods but the second are of the elf people and third are of the kindred of dwarves as it is said here um what is this a reference to uh, so yeah uh i th- i think we did actually read this because oh, we yeah. were talking about the norns and how yeah, they're we were important. Are ready for 16? It looks like. Yeah, 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 Okay. Sorry, everybody. We will jump to 16. Because we did talk
1: about all the Norns for the different life of people and stuff.
0: Yeah, because it was interesting. Because normally we. I think when I first got into Ostroth, the idea was there are three Norns, and that's how many there are. But there's actually like a Norn for each person. Like every person is born with their own Norn, who sort of watches over them, and then, yeah, and then the connections to the Deezer. We did have this conversation. All right, well, I wanted to have that other Odin conversation a second time, so. All right. (laughs) There we go. But if you want absolutely no repeating, just go back to the beginning of the podcast and fast forward to where we are right now, and then you won't have to hear anything repeated. Works like that. Lower yeah, I my
1: finger snaps, which no one yeah. probably understood. That's fine.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: right. Do you want to read 16? Sure. Then sing, Gangleri. What more mighty wonders are there to be told of the ash? I don't know where my accent's coming from. Har replied, much is to be told of it. An eagle sits in the limbs of the ash, and he has understanding of many a thing. And between his eyes sits the hawk that is called... <laughs> the scroll called runs up and down the link of the ash, bearing envious words between eagle and nidhog, And four hearts run in the limbs of the ash and bite the leaves. They are called thus. <speaking in foreign language> Moreover, so many serpents are in hirviglemmer with nidhogger that no tongue can tell them as is here said, Ash Yggdrasil suffers anguish more than men know of. The stag bites above, on the side it is rotteth, and Nidhog gnaws from below. And it is further said, More serpents lie under Yggdrasil's stock than every unwise ape can think. Goen and Moen, their Grafnir's sons, Grabakr and Grafnir, Orfer and Svafnir. I think shall I tear the trunk's twigs. It is further said that these Norns who dwell in the well of Erd take water of the well every day, and with that clay which lies about the well, and sprinkle it over the ash, to the end that its limb shall not wither nor rot, for that water is holy, that all things which come there into the well become as white as the film which lies within the egg shell. as it is here said i know an ash standing called yggdrasil a high tree sprinkled with snow white clay thence comes the dews in the dale that fall it stands evergreen above urder's well that which falls from it onto earth is called by men honeydew and thereof thereon are bees nourished two fowls are fed in urder's well they were called swans and from those fowls has come the race of birch which is so called Yay! I did it.
0: Okay, so yeah, they they said they said a lot there. Um, I I kind of like the idea of uh, these different forces, like the hearts which are like the and the serpents at the bottom, sort of feeding on or gnawing at the world tree, because when you think of the and, and then also it being nourished from other ways. When you think of the nature of the universe, it's, it's not all good or all bad. It's not like everything's working together to make the universe at large a better place. There's competing forces. And this sort of goes back to the beginning of the world that we talked about here, I think, and also in the Valsaphae where you have the world of light and, or I mean the world of ice and the world of fire coming together. There's a lot of things in Norse mythology and Ostatru that are about um, balance and opposites working together to make something stronger. And this is just another example of that, that everything that exists is somewhere in the middle of two extremes and you can never have just the extreme even though it seems like uh, chaos and order are a good example it seems like we would just want as much order as we can have and the more order you have the better things are but you actually need a certain amount of chaos or you become too rigid and end up being stagnant which is a bad thing so you kind of need the opposite the chaotic element to live a balanced life and even yggdrasil itself is um under attack and nourishment from multiple forces so i just like that idea of balance being brought up again which is being brought up here anything to add no (laughs) okay um 17 then then said ganglary thou knowest many tidings to tell of the heaven." What chief abodes are them more than Erd's well? Har said, many places are there and glorious. That which is called Alfheimer is one, where where dwell the people called Light Elves. But the Dark Elves dwell down in the earth, and they are unlike in appearance, but by far more unlike in nature. The Light Elves are fairer to look upon than the sun, but the Dark Elves are blacker than pitch. Then there is also in that place the abode called of Balak, and there is not in heaven a fairer dwelling. There too is the one called Glitnir whose walls and all its posts and pillars are of red gold but its roof of silver. There is also an abode called Hymnibjorg. It stands at heaven's end by the bridgehead and the place where Bifrost joins heaven. Another great abode is there which is named Valesgalf. Odin possesses that dwelling. The gods made it and thatched it with sheer silver. And in this hall is the Hlidskallaf, the high seat, so called. Whenever All Father sits in that seat, he surveys all lands. All lands at the southern end of heaven is that hall which is fairest of all, and brighter than the sun. It is called Gimlé. IT SHALL STAND WHEN BOTH HEAVEN AND EARTH HAVE DEPARTED, AND GOOD MEN OF RIGHTEOUS CONVERSATION SHALL DWELL THEREIN. SO IT IS SAID IN VALSIPPA, A HALL I KNOW STANDING THAN THE SUN FAIRER, THATCHED with GOLD and GIMLIS BRIGHT, THERE SHALL DWELL THE DOERS OF RIGHTEOUS, AND EVER AND EVER ENJOY DELIGHT. THEN SAID GANGLER, WHAT SHALL GUARD THIS PLACE, WHEN THE FLAME OF Sutur SHALL CONSUME HEAVEN AND EARTH? Har answered, it is said that another heaven is to the southward and upward of this one and is called Andglanger. But this third heaven is yet above that and is called Bibblain. And in that heaven, we think this abode is, but we we believe that none but light elves inhabit these mansions now. Um, So this is a description of the different buildings and halls and stuff and then talking about the light elves and the dark elves uh so i I guess there's the idea that in yggdrasil or in in the world tree at large and some of these other realms there's different beings like light elves and dark elves and they sort of represent different things. the light elves are um uh, the better ones i suppose and yeah uh and and they're higher up and then the dark elves are further below it seems that things which people consider to be better or friendlier or more honorable entities usually live above medgard and the less good ones usually end end up below medgard um, which again has to do with that whole balance thing of midgard and the world where we live is in the middle of everything and we're a mix of of the the bright and the dark um I did want to mention there's this one line that says what shall guard this place when the flames when the flame of Suter shall consume heaven and earth that's a reference to Ragnarok because one of the things that happens in Ragnarok is Suter ends up d- d- burning the world tree pretty much um, with flame. So, anything you want to add to that? Oh, I was just looking at. Uh,
1: oh, What is it? Himenbjörg, meaning Heaven Crag, a residence I believe is Heimdall's. Okay. Ah, sorry, I get distracted by Heimdall stuff, it's just my nature
0: um yeah no that's fine
1: um i'm trying to like it didn't really have a description other than its placement for whatever reason i thought it was all made of gold so i don't know if that's lore canon or not that's just what i recall
0: i mean it might it might be i feel like that would make sense um yeah a lot of these buildings are made of precious metals and stuff i think just to show how um what would you say honorable the people living within are which is you know, the opposite of today because everyone with riches is bad in our world uh anyway <laughs> that's outside the gulf again so <laughs> not going down that road Fine. um but yeah most of these buildings are beautiful and i feel like made of gold makes sense for heimdall it's my gut feeling but i i, I don't know Oh, there's stuff about Heimdall I want to talk about when we're done with the show. Just just there. Okay. Okay. Um, do you want to read 18?
1: No, but I will. Thanks. Then said Gangleri, whence comes the wind is strong so that it stirs the great seas and it swells fire, but strong as it is, none may see it, for it is wonderfully shapen. Then Har said, that I am well able to tell thee. At the northward end of heaven sits the giant called... <laughs> Ross he has the plumes of an eagle, and when he stretches his wings for flight, the wind rises from under his wings. It is, as is said here, Euram's height is who sits at heaven's ending, giant in eagle's coat. From his wings, they say, the wind cometh. All men folk, over. That's okay. It. so um, There's a giant. He's got either a cape or a coat, or he has wings,
0: and when he flaps to fly, wind cometh forth. Yeah, there's a lot of stories where um, giants and gods and 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 people even are able to, with the aid of a magical cloak or cape, transform into other animals, like an eagle. There is a story where with the otter um, doesn't is it. F- who has the one that makes you a falcon yes uh, i believe i think that's right so so there's a lot of these where um gods and giants and with the otter people people uh, any entity that's magically gifted can transform from one shape to another usually with a magical cloak so this isn't completely this isn't a one-off this is something that it seems like a lot of different Entities are capable of doing. And what transforming into a different animal means is something that is that would be interesting, but I'm not going to get into now, mostly because I don't understand all or most of the significance right now, and I'd really want to think about that one and prepare some stuff to say. Uh but yeah, so this is sort of like where they're talking about the the origin. Of the wind of the story. Uh nineteen. Then said Gangleri, "Why is there so much difference that summer should be hot but winter cold?" Har answered, a, wa- "A wise man, a wise man would not ask thus, seeing that all are able to tell this. But if thou art alone, art become so slight of understanding as not to have heard it, then I will yet permit that thou shalt be rather ask foolishly once." then that thou should be kept longer in ignorance of a thing which is proper to know. So that stands it. pause real quick, is the first one that sounds like actively insulting. Like, yeah, you should know this, you big dummy. Well, maybe um, he's getting tired of all these dumb questions. Yeah, you know, it could be. Well, he's still got a long way to go. I know. Uh he is called Svadr, who is the father of Summer, and he is of pleasant nature, so that from his name, whatsoever is pleasant is called Sweet. Uh, but the father of Winter is variously called Vignolni or v- Vinsvalr. He is the son of v- Vassadr, and these were kinsmen, grim, and chilly-breasted, and Winter has their temple. Um... So just talking about the difference of summer and winter. Well, Vind is wind, is it not? So looking uh, at these names,
1: it's like wind something, wind something. Yeah. And then I don't know what Voss.
0: Uh, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm not. I don't, I don't know Old Norse. You don't. Very well, come on, man. I wish I did. It's hard to find lessons on Old Norse though that aren't like I academic and where. cost money. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, and I don't know if this is... I think different people who live in different places will have different ideas of this. But in, in most of the geographic areas that um, people who were Norse lived had really cold, harsh winters, and winter was bad. It was hard to survive winter. And you did your growing in the summer, and the summer was the good the good time, so to speak. So you have a lot of things where winter is portrayed as bad, and summer is portrayed as good. So, you know, this is an example where they're saying that this, the summer entity is kind and has a good nature and the winter one is is mean and a bad person. Bad entity, rather. So, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about that. Do you want to do 19? I feel like we're making progress today. 20. I'm ready for 20. Oh, 20, okay.
1: Then, Sengangrari, who are the easier they in whom it behooves men to believe? Our answer the divine Aesir are twelve. Then said Jafnahar, not less holy are the Azinjur, the goddesses, and they are of no less authority. Then said Thryndi, Trind- is highest and eldest of the Aesir. He rules all things, and mighty as are the other gods, they all serve him as children obey a father. Frigg is his wife, and she knows all the fates of men though she speaks no prophecy as is said here when odin himself spake with him of the aesir whom men called loki thou art mad now loki and reft of mind. why loki leavest thou not off Frigg, methinks, is wise in all fates though herself say them not odin is called allfather because he is the father of the gods he is also called father of the slain because all those that fall in battle are the sons of his adopt of his adopt on, for them he appoints Vahal and Vingulf, and they are then called champions. He is also called God of the Hanged, God of Gods, God of Cargos, and he has also been named in many more ways, after he is after he had come to King Gerdor. Uh We were called Grimmer and Gangleri, Heron, Herblu, a bunch of names. Jeez.
0: Uh yeah, just um Har is in there as one I like. uh Bird. Or no, Uder. Uder. Uh Yeah, it, uh, just read through this list on your own. Grim or Grimmer as another popular one. I'm just looking at ones that you might see like. Joften Har is in there. Yeah. Skidkirger. Um, there's there's a lot of them and all you know it's 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 worth reading Um, sometimes you'll see them in like uh, someone's username on a forum or whatever or or like part of a person's name so it's it's interesting to see those because there's there's a lot of things in um norse mythology that get adopted in pop culture and it's sort of cool to see that connection I think, like, Gandalf is the name of... That was a dwarf. A dwarf, one, yeah. It was, yeah. Gandalf was the name of the dwarf, and obviously it was borrowed by Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and that Gandalf. And it, it's kind of cool to see those connections, but read through this list. Then I shall continue. Then, Sengengre, exceeding many
1: names have ye given him, and by my faith it must indeed be... A goodly wit that knows all the lore and the examples of what chances have brought about each of these names, then Har made answer It is truly a vast sum of knowledge to gather together and set forth fittingly, but it is briefest to tell thee that most of the most of his names have been given him by reason of his chan- of this chance, there being so many branches of tongues in the world. All people believed that it was needful for them to turn his name into their own tongue, by which they might better invoke him and entreat him of their, on their own behalf. But some occasions for these names arose in his wanderings, and that matter is recorded in tales. Nor canst thou ever be called a wise man if thou shalt not be able to tell those great events
0: um so in a lot of the stories with odin he will travel somewhere or the other oftentimes to Jotunheim, sometimes to midgard where we are and more often than not he will take an assumed name for whatever reason um very often he doesn't want the people he's dealing with to know where who he is especially if he's in Jotunheim since the giants are the enemies of the gods he wouldn't want them to know who they are or who he is rather uh, and it's neat because when you look at all the names they usually have some meaning that makes sense to the particular tale that you that you're reading Bulvark. so <laughs> yeah yeah like Bulvark, when he Got the poetic mead. What does bulwark mean? Burden, I think. No, I could be wrong. Does it not? Um. Yeah, I've just googled it, so this might not be true. But means worker of evil or doer of evil deeds. Well, he did steal, so and and there's there's a lot to be uh, talked about in that particular story um but i mean he did uh the thing he did with the giantess sort of tricking her into giving the maid was if it's unethical or not is something we'd cover when we actually read that story because i have some thoughts about that and why in that situation maybe it's not but um It's definitely not something a classic nice person would do. Because the thing about Odin is, I don't think that he does things that are, in the strictest sense, unethical. Like they're actually breaking autonomy and being unethical. But he definitely does things that are not nice, quite often. You can do a lot of not nice things and still be an ethical person. And I don't think you should ever do something unethical but you're allowed to do something that's not nice if there's a good reason to do the thing that's not nice you know if somebody you know if if someone were were a bad person and they were doing mean things then you know maybe you could talk to them in a very stern manner like really mean and be like no you're a terrible person you're doing the wrong thing and maybe you make them cry that's not nice But it's still a thing that you could do and it wouldn't be unethical. So there's there's a lot of lines where Odin will really walk a fine line of you, you really have to think about like, is what he is doing ethical or not? And more often than not, I think it falls into the line of, well, technically what he's doing is ethical, but it's certainly not a nice thing to do it's not something that would be socially accepted Um, so and that story was definitely one of those things where he was not doing something nice and he was not doing something that somebody in polite society would do but if he actually broke an ethical um, rule or not would be a different question and i don't think he did but that story kind of deserves its own going over of that but that gives you an idea of what the story is going to be about if if it means that you know like evildoer or doer of wrong deeds and that that gives you an idea of where the story is going and sort of gives another dimension to the story um but yeah just logistically he has to have lots of names because he doesn't want people to know that he is actually odin
1: Well, and like Uh, they said, people have different languages, and they name them in their language, and it's easier to invoke him, which, you know, is often done at bloats, uh, Mm. by calling as many names as you might.
0: Hey, pay attention, right here, hello! (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's something that at bloats, I think a lot of people do, I, I do, and other people I know often do, where maybe when you're calling a god... Odin, for example, you wouldn't just say Odin, you would say Odin, and then maybe you'd say like God of the Runes, Hain God, and and have other names that you'd call him by to invoke him more powerfully. Because I think there's a lot of power in a name, and I think there's a lot of power in different names. And we know that our ancestors really liked kinnings and calling things by different names. Um, and I kind of like that, too. Uh, it also lets you be a little more poetic when you're calling them because, you know, depending on what you're saying, you might use a different name here and there. So, yeah, there's there's a lot in the names. I did want to mention something else. Um, this line that says, not less holy are the asinur, the goddesses. Just wanted to point that out. That... I think it's very easy for people to pay attention to the gods and sort of forget about the goddesses, and I think that's very much something we should guard against because the goddesses are just as important as the gods, and there is a balance between the 12 Aesir and the 12 Asenir, or the 12 gods and the 12 goddesses, the main 12 Aesir and main 12 year. There's, there's actually more than 24 gods grand total, or gods and goddesses grand total. But um, I just think it's important to remember that there are goddesses too, and among some groups, I think the goddesses are not um, uh, talked about or mentioned enough. So I want to throw that out there. And, of course, it also talks about Freg. So the big ones it's talking about here is Odin and Freg, or Odin and Frega, because those are the two, quote-unquote, main god and goddess. Um, But is interesting because she has the thing where she knows the fate of all men, but never actually speaks it. Uh, Which I've always thought would take a huge amount of self-control to, like, know the future of somebody, but also understand... That telling them that future is not necessarily the best thing to do, knowing your fate and knowing when you're going to die, for example, is not something that will necessarily make you happy. As Odin kind of knows. Okay, anything else to say about that one? No, sir. Um, I think we have been going almost an hour, haven't we? Uh, About 10 minutes more. I'm trying to think if we should do one more or not. Let's do one more. We'll finish with 21. So 21, I'm saying this a lot so I can catch it when I listen back to the episode. You know, when we do the next episode. We'll finish 21 and be ready for 22 when we come back. Uh, 21, then said Ganglary... What are the names of the other Aesir, or what is their office, or what deeds of renown have they done? Har answered, Thor is the foremost of them. He that is called Thor Thor of the Aesir, or Akú Thor, he is the strongest of all gods and men. He has his realm in the place called Thrudvangar, and and his hall is called Bilskenar. In that hall are five hundred rooms and forty. That is the greatest house that men know of. It is thus said in Grimnir's call: five hundred floors and more than forty, so reckon I, Bilskerner with bending ways. Of those of those houses that I know, wait, of those houses that I know of hall roofed, my sons I know the most. Thor has two goats that are called Tooth nasher and Tooth Gritter, and a chariot wherein he drives and the he goats draw the chariot therefore is he called akuthor he has also three things of great price one is the hammer Mjolnir, which is the rhyme giants and hill giants know when it is raised on high that this is no wonder it has bruised many a skull among the fathers or their kinsmen he has a second costly thing, best of all, the girdle of might. When he clasps it about him, then the godlike strength within him is increased by half. Yet a third thing he has, in which there is much virtue, his iron glove. He cannot do with his iron gloves, he cannot do without them when he uses his hammer shaft. But no one is so wise that he can tell all his mighty works yet I can tell thee so much tidings of him that the hours would be spent before all that I know were told. So this one's talking about um, Thor and of course the big things about Thor is he has the hammer Mjolnir and that's the hammer that he can kill the giants with which makes it so important and that hammer does have a whole story which I think I think we went over when we did the poetic edda i'm sure we did because yeah we must have um and of course the girdle of strength which makes him stronger and then the iron gloves which he uses to wield the hammer as well um but yeah thor is is the strongest of god i think gods i think it's the big thing about thor is just his his uh strength not to say he doesn't have other qualities he's not dumb or anything and strength isn't all that he is but that's the main thing to know about thor is that he is a very strong and powerful god and very much a god that has the responsibility and duty of protecting both men and other gods because he has Mjolnir, which he can kill the giants with which he's done many a times Anything else to say about that one? Uh,
1: well, like you said, there's a bunch of stories, and I know a bunch of them, but there's not enough time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, it, I wanted to mention the goats. You can butcher them and eat them, and as long as you don't crack the bones, then they'll be magically restored to their full cells the next day, which comes up in another one of the stories. So I know we've talked about that. Um, we're going to stop now. I'm going to take a moment to do final thoughts. Laura, I'll let you go first.
1: Well, thanks. I understand you just want some time to think, so I'm going to stall a bit by rambling while I think about things. Let's see how this goes. I'll just keep talking. Um, <laughs> uh, well, we've made some progress, about uh, twice as much as usual, so that's nice. Uh, many a thing were said. We revisited 15 again. <laughs> It's just a bunch of lore, which is always good to have. And if you can't go out and read it yourself, hey, it's nice to have somebody to talk to. So here we are. Send us emails.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, It is a collection. I don't want to say just a collection of lore. That has the wrong connotation. I'm sorry. (laughs) But it is a collection of lore. So I feel like we didn't have a single theme today. So I'll keep my thoughts short. I would really suggest everybody just go out here and read this. I it, It's on sacred texts. Uh, if you want to look it up, it's free. So you can go out there and read this. There is a lot of good lore in here and a lot of things that are just in general good to know. So I would encourage everybody to go out and read the Gelfagening Um, The Poetic Eddas is always where I start and still where I suggest people start, but when you're done with that, go out and read the Guildfuck because there's a lot of a lot of good stuff in here to be read.
1: Which is probably why this one's going to take quite a while for us to get through.
0: Yeah, it's going to take forever. Um, (laughs) I don't even think we're half done yet. Oh, definitely not. We're about to... We'll make it to the end.
1: Well, we're like... Eh, it's hard to say two-fifths in.
0: <sighs> yeah, that's probably right. We'll be on this one for a while. Um, if we have like four of these in the row, or, you know, if we have too many of these in the, in, in the row where we're just reading the again, we might take another break to just do a one-off topic just to break things up. Um, but there's a lot of really good information in here. I definitely think everyone should read it on their own. Um, um. That's my number one advice. Read this on your own. Just start to finish. It's good stuff. But thank you everyone for listening. Lore, where can people find your book? Online. Good luck. Okay, fine. More
1: specifically, Amazon.com. Just type in Stephen Oaks. There's a list of books. I'm still recommending Walk On before I get this last book that I'm working on finished. So go get Walk On. You'll get an example of a little bit of surreal
0: time travel, so enjoy. Thank you, and thank you for being on. If you wanna check out my book, you can Lightbringer Byron Rogers on Amazon, Um, But mostly, thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember, you can go to my website, which is hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. And feel free to send us emails at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. We will be back next month. So if you haven't already, I'd suggest you subscribe to the RSS so you don't miss an episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a good rest of your month. Fra Fra Frahal!